0: Book One, Part Two of Pharsalia Dramatic Episodes of the Civil Wars. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Pharsalia by Lucan, translated by J. D. Duff. Book One The Crossing of the Rubicon, Part Two. Now stand the troops within the captured town, their standards planted, and the trumpet clang rings forth in harsh alarms, giving note of impious strife. Roused from their sleep, the men rush to the hall and snatch the ancient arms long hanging through the years of peace, the shield with crumbling frame, dark with the tooth of rust their swords and javelins with blunted points. But when the well-known signs and eagles shone, and Caesar towering o'er the throng was seen, they shook for terror. Fear possessed their limbs, and thoughts unuttered stirred within their souls. O miserable those to whom their home denies the peace that all men else enjoy! Placed as we are beside the northern bounds, and scarce a footstep from the restless goal, we fall the first. Would that our lot had been beneath the eastern sky, or frozen north, to lead a wandering life, rather than keep the gates of Latinum. Grennus sacked the town, and Hannibal, and all the Teuton hosts. For when the fate of Rome is in the scale, by this path war advances thus they moan their fears but speak them not no sound is heard giving their anguish utterance as when in depth of winter all the fields are still the birds are voiceless and no sound is heard to break the silence of the central sea but when the day had broken through the shades of chilly darkness lo the torch of war. For by the hand of fate is swift dispersed all Caesar's shame of battle, and his mind scarce doubted more, and fortune toiled to make his action just and give him cause for arms. For while Rome doubted, and the tongues of men spoke of the chiefs who won them rights of yore, the hostile senate, in contempt of right, drove out the tribunes, they to Caesar's camp with Curio hasten, who of venal tongue, bold, prompt, persuasive, had been wont to preach of freedom to the people, and to call upon the chiefs to lay their weapons down. And when he saw how deeply Caesar mused, while from the Rostum I had power, he said, To call the populace to aid thy cause. By this my voice, against the Senate's will, Was thy command prolonged. But silenced now are laws and war, We driven from our homes, Yet is our exile willing, For thine arms shall make us citizens of Rome again. Strike, for no strength as yet the foe hath gained occasion calls, delay shall mar it soon. Like risk, like labor, thou hast known before, but never such reward. Could Gallia hold thine armies ten long years ere victory came, that little nook of earth, one paltry fight or twain, fought out by thy resistless hand, and Rome for thee shall have subdued the world? Tis true, no triumph now would bring thee home. No captive tribes would grace thy chariot wheels, winding in pomp around the ancient hill. Spite gnaws the factions. For thy conquests won, scarce shalt thou be unpunished. Yet tis fate thou shouldst subdue thy kinsmen. Share the world with him thou canst not. Rule thou canst alone as when at ellis festival a horse in stable pence gnaws at his prison bars impatient and should clamour from without strike on his ear bounce furious at restraint so then was caesar eager for the fight stirred by the words of curio to the ranks he bids his soldiers with majestic mien and hand-commanding silence as they come. Comrades, he cried, victorious returns who by my side for ten long years have faced mid-alpine winters and on arctic shores the thousand dangers of the battlefield. Is this our country's welcome, this her prize for death and wounds and Roman blood outpoured, rome arms her choicest sons the sturdy oaks are felled to make a fleet what could she more if from the alps fierce hannibal were come with all his punic host by land and sea caesar shall fly fly though in adverse war our best had fallen and the savage gaul were hard upon our track we would not fly And now, when fortune smiles, and kindly gods beckon us on to glory, let him come fresh from his years of peace, with all his crowd of conscript burgesses, Marcellus' tongue and Cato's empty name. We will not fly. Shall eastern hordes and greedy hirelings keep their loved Pompeius ever at the helm? Shall chariots of triumph be for him, though youth and law forbade them? Shall he seize on Rome's chief honors, ne'er to be resigned? And what of harvests blighted through the world, and ghastly famine made to serve his ends? Who hath forgotten how Pompeius' bands seized on the forum, and with glittering arms made outraged justice tremble? while their swords hemmed in the judgment seat where milo stood and now when warm and old and ripe for rest greedy of power the impious sword again he draws as tigers in hyrcanian woods wandering, or in the caves that saw their birth once having lapped the blood of slaughtered khan shall never cease from rage and so this whelp of cruel sulla nursed in civil war, outstrips his master, and the tongue which licked that reeking weapon ever thirsts for more. Stain once the lips with blood, no other meal they shall enjoy. And shall there be no end of these long years of power and crime? Nay, this one lesson, ere it be too late, learn of thy gentle Sulla to retire. Of old his victory o'er Sicilian thieves, and Pontus, weary monarch, gave him fame, by poison scarce attained. His latest prize shall I be, Caesar, I who would not quit my conquering eagles at his proud command. Nay, if no triumph is reserved for me, let these at least, of long and toilsome war neath the other leaders, the rewards enjoy. Where shall the weary soldier find his rest? What cottage homes their joys? What fields their fruit shall to our veterans yield? Will Magnus say that pirates only till the fields alight? Unfurl your standards. Victory gilds them yet as through those glorious years. Deny our rights. He that denies them makes our quarrel just. Nay, use the strength that we have made our own. No booty seek we nor imperial power. This would-be ruler of subservient Rome, we force to quit his grasp. And heaven shall smile on those who seek to drag the tyrant down. Thus Caesar spake. But doubtful murmurs ran throughout the listening crowd, this way and that their wishes urging them. The thoughts of home and household gods and kindred gave them pause, but fear of Caesar and the pride of war their doubts resolved. Then Laelius, who wore the well-earned crown for Roman life preserved, the foremost captain of the army spake, O greatest leader of the roman name if tis thy wish the very truth to hear tis mine to speak it we complain of this that gifted with such strength thou didst refrain from using it hadst thou no trust in us while the hot life-blood fills these glowing veins while these strong arms avail to hurl the lance wilt thou make peace and bear the Senate's rule? Is civil conquest then so base and vile? Lead us through Scythian deserts, lead us where the inhospitable Sirtes line the shore of Africa's burning sands, or where thou wilt. This hand, to leave a conquered world behind, held firm the oar that tamed the northern sea, and Rhine's swift torrents foaming to the main. To follow thee, fate gives me now the power. The will was mine before. No citizen I count the man gainst whom thy trumpets sound. By ten campaigns of victory, I swear, by all thy worldwide triumphs, though with hand unwilling. Shouldst thou now demand the life of sire or brother or of faithful spouse, Caesar, the life were thine, to spoil the gods and sack great Juno's temple on the hill, to plant our arms or Tiber's yellow stream, to measure out the camp against the wall to drive the fatal ram and raise the town this arm shall not refuse though roam the prize his comrades swore consent with lifted hands and vowed to follow wheresoever he led and such a clamour rent the sky as when some thracian blast on osa's pine-clad rocks falls headlong and the loud re-echoing woods or bending or rebounding from the stroke in sounding chorus, lift the roar on high. When Caesar saw them welcome thus the war, and fortune leading on, and favoring fates, he seized the moment, called his troops from Gaul, and breaking up his camp, set on for Rome. The tents are vacant by Lake Leman's side, the camps upon the beetling crags, avasges no longer hold the warlike Lingen down fierce in his painted arms isere is left who past his shallows gliding flows at last into the current of more famous rhone to reach the ocean in another name the fair-haired people of Savanus are free soft alde rejoicing bears no roman keel nor pleasant var, since then Italy is bound. The harbor sacred to Alcides' name, where hollow crags encroach upon the sea, is left in freedom. There, nor zephyr gains, nor chorus access, but the Circean blast forbids the roadstead by Menacus' hold, and others left the doubtful shore, which sea and land alternate claim wherein the tide pours in amain or when the wave rolls back be it the wind which thus compels the deep from furthest pole and leaves it at the flood or else the moon that makes the tide to swell or else in search of fuel for his fires the sun draws heavenward the ocean wave whate'er the cause that may control the main i leave to others Let the gods for me lock in their breasts the secrets of the world. Those who kept watch beside the western shore have moved their standards home. The happy Gaul rejoices in their absence. Fair Garon, through peaceful meads, glides onward to the sea. And where the river broadens, neath the cape, her quiet harbor sleeps. No outstretched arm except in mimic war now hurls the lance. No skilful warrior of Seine directs the scythed chariot against his country's foe. Now rest the Belgians and the Arvernian race that boasts our kinship by descent from Troy. And those brave rebels whose undaunted hands were dipped in Coda's blood and those who wear Sarmatian garb. But Tavia's warriors fierce no longer listen for the bugle call, nor those who dwell where Rhone's swift eddies sweep Siona to the ocean, nor the mountain tribes who dwell about its source. Thou too, O Trevis, rejoicest that the war has left thy bounds. Ligurian tribes, now shorn in ancient days, first of the long haired nations, on whose necks once flowed the auburn locks in pride supreme, and those who pacify with blood, accursed savage Tatus, Hesus horrid shrines, and Tyrannus altars cruel as were those loved by Diana, goddess of the north. All these now rest in peace. And you, ye bards, whose martial lays send down to distant times the fame of valorous deeds in battle done, pour forth in safety more abundant song. While you, ye druids, when the war was done, to mysteries strange and hateful rites returned. To you alone tis given the gods and stars to know or not to know secluded groves your dwelling-place and forests far remote if what ye sing be true the shades of men seek not the dismal homes of erebus or death's pale kingdoms but the breath of life still rules these bodies in another age life on this hand and that and death between happy the peoples neath the northern star in this their false belief, for them no fear of that which frights all others. They with hands and hearts undaunted rush upon the foe and scorn to spare the life that shall return. Ye too depart who kept the banks of Rhine safe from the foe and leave the Teuton tribes free at their will to march upon the world. Caesar, with strength increased, and gathered troops, new efforts daring, spreads his bands afar through Italy, and fills the neighboring towns. Then empty rumor to well-grounded fear gave strength, and heralding the coming war in hundred voices, midst the people spread. One cries in terror, swift the squadrons come, where Nar with Tiber joins, And where, in meads, by oxen loved, Mevania spreads her walls, Fierce Caesar hurries his barbarian horse, Eagles and standards wave above his head, And broad the march that sweeps across the land. Nor is he pictured truly, Greater far more fierce and pitiless, From conquered foes advancing, In his rear the people's march, snatched from their homes between the Rhine and Alps, to pillage Rome while Roman chiefs look on. Thus each man's panic thought swells rumor's lie. They fear the phantoms they themselves create. Nor does the terror seize the crowd alone, but fled the fathers to the consuls first issuing their hated order as for war, and doubting of their safety, doubting too where lay the peril, through the choking gates, each where he would, rushed all the people forth. Thou wouldst believe that blazing to the torch were men's abodes, or nodding to their fall. So streamed they onwards, frenzied with affright, as though in exile only could they find hope for their country so when southern blasts from libyan whirlpools drive the boundless main and mast and sail crash down upon a ship with ponderous weight but still the frame is sound her crew and captain leap into the sea each making shipwreck for himself t'was thus they passed the city gates and fled to war No aged parent now could stay his son, nor wife her spouse, nor did they pray the gods to grant the safety of their fatherland. None linger on the threshold for a look of their loved city, though perchance the last. Ye gods who lavage priceless gifts on men, nor care to guard them, see victorious Rome teeming with life chief city of the world with ample walls that all mankind might hold to coming caesar left an easy prey the roman soldier when in foreign lands pressed by the enemy in narrow trench and hurried mounds finds guard enough to make his slumber safe but thou imperial rome alone on rumour of advancing foes art left a desert in thy battlements they trust not for one night. Yet for their fear this one excuse was left. Pompeius fled. Nor found they room for hope. For nature gave unerring portents of worse ills to come. The angry gods filled earth and air and sea with frequent prodigies. In darkest nights strange constellations sparked through the gloom the pole was all afire and torches flew across the depths of heaven with horrid hair a blazing comet stretched from east to west and threatened change to kingdoms from the blue pale lightning flashed and in the murky air the fire took divers shapes a lance afar would seem to quiver o'er a misty torch. A noiseless thunderbolt from cloudless sky rushed down, and, drawing fire in northern parts, plunged on the summit of the Alban Mount. The stars that run their courses in the night shone in full daylight, and the orbid moon, hid by the shade of earth, grew pale and wan. The sun himself, when poised in mid-career, shrouded his burning car in blackest gloom and plunged the world in darkness, so that men despaired of day, like as he veiled his light from that fell banquet which Mycenae saw. The jaws of Etna were agape with flame that rose not heavenwards, but headlong fell in smoking stream upon the Italian flank." Then, black Charybus from her boundless depth, threw up a gory sea. In piteous tones howled the wild dogs. The Vestal fire was snatched from off the altar, and the flame that crowned the Latin festival was split in twain, as on the Theban pyre in ancient days. Earth tottered on its base the mighty alps from off their summits shook the eternal snow in huge upheaval ocean raised his waves or calpes rock and atlas hoary head the native gods shed tears and holy sweat dropped from the idols gifts in temples fell foul birds defiled the day beasts left the woods and made their lair among the streets of Rome. All this we hear, nay more, dumb oxen spake. Monsters were brought to birth, and mothers shrieked at their own offspring. Words of dire import from Cumae's prophetess were noised abroad. Bellona's priests, with bleeding arms, and slaves of Sibylle's worship, with ensanguined hair, howled chance of havoc and of woe to men arms clashed and sounding in the pathless woods were heard strange voices spirits walked the earth and dead men's ashes muttered from the urn those who live near the walls desert their homes for lo with hissing serpents in her hair waving in downward whirl a blazing pine A fiend patrols the town, like that which erst at Thebes urged on agave, or which hurled Lycurgus' bolts, or that which, as he came from Hades' seen at haughty Juno's word, brought terror to the soul of Hercules. Trumpets, like those that summon armies forth, were heard re-echoing in the silent night and from the earth arising, Sulla's ghost sang gloomy oracles, and by Anio's wave all fled the homesteads, frighted by the shade of Marius waking from his broken tomb. In such dismay they summon, as of yore, the Tuscan sages to the nation's aid. Aaron's, the eldest, leaving his abode in desolate Luca, came, Well-versed in all the lore of omens, knowing what may mean the flight of hovering bird, the pulse that beats in offered victims, and the leaven bolts, all monsters first, by most unnatural birth brought into being, in accursed flames he bids consume. Then, round the walls of Rome, each trembling citizen in turn proceeds, The priests, chief guardians of the public faith, with holy sprinkling, purge the open space that borders on the wall. In sacred garb follows the lesser crowd. The Vestals come, by priestess led with laurel crown bedecked, to whom alone is given the right to see Minerva's effigy that came from Troy next come the keepers of the sacred books and fate's predictions who from almo's brook bring back sebebe laved the augur too taught to observe sinister flight of birds and those who serve the banquets to the gods and titan brethren and the priest of mars proud of the buckler that adorns his neck by him the flamen on his noble head, the cap of office. While they tread the path that winds around the walls, the aged seer collects the thunderbolts that fell from heaven and lays them deep in earth with muttered words naming the spot accursed. Next, a steer picked for his swelling neck and beauteous form, he leads to the altar and with slanting knife spreads on his brow the meal and pours the wine. The victim's struggles prove the gods averse, but when the servers press upon his horns, he bends the knee and yields him to the blow. No crimson torrent issued at the stroke, but from the wound a dark and poisoned stream ebbed slowly downward errands at the sight aghast upon the entrails of the beast essayed to read the anger of the gods their very colour terrified the seer spotted they were and pale with sable streaks of lukewarm gore bespread the liver damp with foul disease and on the hostile part the angry veins defiant of the lungs the fiber hid, and through the vital parts the membrane small. The heart had ceased to throb. Blood oozes through the ducts. The call is split, and, fatal omen of impending ill, one lobe or grows the other. Of the twain the one lies flat and sick, the other beats and keeps the pulse in rapid strokes astir. Disaster's near approach, thus learned, he cries, What e'er may be the purpose of the gods? Tis not for me to tell. This offered beast not Jove possesses, but the gods below. We dare not speak our fears, yet fear doth make the future worse than fact. May all the gods prosper the tokens and the sacrifice be void of truth. And Tagus, famous seer, have vainly taught these mysteries. Such as words involved mysterious, Figulus, to whom for knowledge of the secret depths of space and laws harmonious that guide the stars, Memphis could find no peer, then spake at large. Either, he said, The world and countless orbs Throughout the ages wonder at their will, Or if the fates control them, Ruin huge hangs o'er the city, And o'er all mankind. Shall earth yawn open and engulf the towns? Shall scorching heat usurp the tempered air? And fields refuse their timely fruit? The streams flow mixed with poison? In what plague, ye gods, In what destruction shall ye wreak your ire? Whate'er the truth, The days in which we live Shall find a doom for many. Had the star of baleful Saturn, Frigid in the height, Kindled his lurid fires, The sky had poured its torrents forth, as in Deucalion's time, and whelm the world in waters. Or if thou, Phoebus, beside the Nimean lion fierce, were driving now thy chariot, flames should seize the universe and set the air ablaze. These are at peace, but Mars, why art thou bent on kindling thus the scorpion, his tail portending evil, and his claws aflame? deep sunk is kindly jupiter and dull sweet venus star and rapid mercury stays on his course mars only holds the sky why does orion's sword too brightly shine why planets leave their paths and through the void thus journey on obscure tis war that comes fierce rabid war the sword shall bear the rule confounding justice hateful crime usurp the name of virtue and the havoc spread through many a year but why entreat the gods the end rome longs for and the final peace comes with a despot draw thou out thy chain of lengthening slaughter and for such thy fate make good thy liberty through civil war the frightened people heard and as they heard his words prophetic made them fear the more but worse remained for as on Pindus slopes possessed with fury from the theban god speed some bacchant thus in roman streets behold a matron run who in her trance relieves her bosom of the god within where dost thou snatch me, Paean? To what shore through airy regions borne? I see the snows of Thracian mountains and Philippi's plains lie broad beneath, but why these battle lines? No foe to vanquish Rome on either hand? Again I wonder neath the rosy hues that paint thine eastern skies, where regal Nile meets with his flowing wave. The rising tide known to mine eyes that mutilated trunk that lies upon the sand across the seas by changing whirlpools to the burning climes of libya born again i see the hosts from thracia brought by fate's command and now thou bearest me o'er the cloud compelling alps and Pyrenean summits next to rome there in mid-senate see the closing scene of this foul war in foulest murder done again the factions rise through all the world once more i pass but give me some new land some other region phoebus to behold washed by the pontic billows for these eyes already once have seen philippi's plains the frenzy left her and she, speechless, fell. End of Book One, Part Two